Hello everyone, welcome to the episode 8 of Soul Lead Saturday. The guest we have today, Ankit Rathi, he did not take any prior education in AI or ML, but he started implementing in his organization and that's how he learned it by himself. So let's hear from him, his career journey, how did, she, how did he find his passion and what steps did he take and manage to be one of the leaders in the areas he is passionate about. So thank you, Ankit, for agreeing on the time and being available on Saturday evening, your time. So really appreciate the consideration. Oh, my pleasure, Vishali. Uh, thanks for giving me this opportunity. And uh, it's like, yeah, hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Ankit Rati. And uh, I started my career in 2005 as a database developer. Um, I worked on various DBs, uh, databases, uh, data warehouses, applications over the period of time and uh, basically it's like I moved to machine learning or AI area uh, in 2013 so uh, basically it's like uh, uh, in 2012 I um, read an article by uh, in Harvard Business Review by uh, DJ Patel uh, which was basically about that uh, data scientist was going to be a job of the century or success job of the century and uh, um, I was working as a data architect and I was playing with data day in, day out. And I thought, what is this data scientist, which uh, basically I don't know anything about. Uh, I was working, also working on data mining uh, that time. So uh, then I started digging and um, basically I attended uh, Andrew NG's machine learning course. It was just launched by then on course first course of course <laughs> and uh, uh, over the period of time I got to know about Kaggle as well I registered there and uh, started uh, practicing Titanic and housing prices prediction uh, mm -hmm. that time only um, I didn't have the courage to participate in the live uh, competition that time uh, but over the period of time I did that as well uh, like uh, uh, by this I built the capacity um, and uh, started identifying use cases within my organization and mm -hmm. uh, I was fortunate enough that time uh, to basically uh, solve a couple of business problems using machine learning and that's how I moved to machine learning. Okay, so uh, actually already you've shown how did you find actually uh, your passion and you know how did you get diverted into this AI and ML space. So just uh, wanted to ask you, like, you know, when I saw your profile, it was like, you know, you uh, do like public speaking as well. You are a, a professional, you work in the AI and ML as a data architect and you're author as well, actually. So you started blogging and then you wrote two books and one of them is like a bestseller according to you. So what did you enjoy the most, like out of these different roles and why? Okay. So uh, I like... Um... Um, because I've been a software professional, so mostly I uh, like building uh, uh, AI ML applications based on the business problems. So mm -hmm. I like solving challenges. And because it's a, it's not a typical IT project, it is AI and ML, so mm -hmm. half research, half project kind of thing. So it's like first we do a kind of feasibility analysis. Mm -hmm. uh, so I like these kind of challenges where things can go either way and we are really adding uh, value to the business. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. Second, I like to speak about it. Yeah, it's like whatever I've learned or whatever I've, uh, it's like uh, experienced. I would like to share it with uh, an audience, and if they can find it helpful, mm-hmm. and uh, it's like um, being an author. Actually, I started blogging in two thousand seven, and mm-hmm. the reason was that um, it was very difficult to keep a track uh, after mm-hmm. one or two years what you have done. So I thought means like if I blog and I, it was a kind of personal notes to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I was working as a database developer, so whatever queries I've written, um, it's like so I used to write about them, about that in the my blog post, and mm-hmm. it was basically for my revision only. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that means like next time I am facing similar kind of problems, so I can refer my own blog post. Mm-hmm. So I started like that, and those posts were. It's like I was only able to comprehend what I was I was writing that time, but yeah. over the period of time I uh, built that skill that yeah okay it's like if I need to uh, write it in a way that uh, a reader can understand it in a better way. Mm-hmm. So that's how I started uh, blogging and uh, eventually I wrote the book. But again yeah it's like uh, blogging and uh, being an author is. It's a, um, it's a hard work actually. It's I don't enjoy it much. Um, it's like uh, it's the on the third spot I would say, because okay. it's very tedious actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true actually. It's like you know reaching out to the audience and audience has to like it what you write or uh, what you come up with. And when you look into the AI and ML books, actually, right now, there are like a saturated market. You find like lots of books available. And then it's like what unique you can come up with when it comes to the writing. So that's good, actually. So you enjoy more being on practical usage of AI and ML side. So that's great. And what I can uh, get out of it is more or like, you know, once you find your interest, it is more or like being proactive and putting hard work like, you know, behind that. And, um, self-learning is more important like you know keeping yourself active and reaching out to the people learning in all the ways possible you can learn the things so that's good to know Uh, that is definitely something like you know students will admire for the next question is uh, what are the various areas where ai artificial intelligence can be used okay um so uh, basically it's like um um the areas where I have used mostly uh, revolved around uh, optimizing the business operations, mm-hmm. uh, where basically uh, there are operators or, mm-hmm. which are using, it's like uh, completing certain operations, mm-hmm. and somehow because most of the things are being done these days on machines, so we have uh, some historical data as well. Mm-hmm. So if uh, based on the data that is being collected, if we can optimize that operation earlier, mm-hmm. the operator was taking 15 mm-hmm. minutes and now it's like with the uh, uh, data um, services that we make available to him, if he is mm-hmm. able to complete it in five minutes or three minutes. Mm-hmm. So that's the kind of uh, optimizing the operation. So most of the things uh, we have done around that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Second is improving the decisions for the business leaders. Mm-hmm. So earlier, miss like uh, uh, over the period of time, you have built certain experience uh, what decision to take in what scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, but miss like because we now have 
the data as well to validate uh, our decisions so means like um, uh, based on the historical uh, decision making on certain types of uh, data elements if we can uh, give some kind of recommendation to the business leader and even he can validate those uh, decisions so it would be good so means like second kind of use case is that mm-hmm. third is infusing the intelligence in the products so mm-hmm. means like every business have certain solutions or drugs mm-hmm. or they are already working and if uh, we can infuse some intelligence into it maybe uh, it is more um, specialized to a customer or mm-hmm. more personalized experience to the the customer in terms mm-hmm. of a product so means like those kind of uh, solution building solution in the product or infusing intelligence and uh, the fourth type is basically building the data products mm-hmm. means like uh, like google maps is there so mm-hmm. uh, means like if we whatever data we have in our business if we can convert it into a kind of data product which can be beneficial for uh, our customers mm-hmm. or uh, like retail users so that is the fourth use case so these okay. are the areas where basically i have mm-hmm. applied so uh, the way i understood is like divided into the four parts which is like optimizing the business processes decision making and then infusing the intelligence and then coming up with the data product like uh, interacting with the data product any specific use case that you would like to share like uh, any experience you had while learning by yourself or uh, how these phases are like you know interlinked like when we talk about uh, optimizing the business processes any technologies that you use to uh, optimize those business processes when it comes to the decision making how much collective decision is required how much is the involvement from the business technology and like you know uh, what is the collaborative work that you come together when when it comes to the decision making how you work collaboratively and make the decision so that kind of um scenario or something okay so um generally uh, how we do it is uh, it's like uh, uh, mostly uh, we um, um collaborate with the business mm-hmm. um, so that basically domain experience is also required but the problem is that uh, the domain expert doesn't know data science and data scientist doesn't know domain mm-hmm. so basically first we do a kind of workshop with the domain experts or business leaders and i uh, try to understand their area of operations mm-hmm. and how they are doing their end to end operation and then uh, basically means like educating them a bit about data science or artificial intelligence and mm-hmm. understanding their processes as well mm-hmm. and then in those workshop we are able to identify a few uh, ai opportunities mm-hmm. uh, and uh, then we do a kind of feasibility analysis Mm-hmm. like which is more doable than the other and which can have a better roi over the period mm-hmm. of time uh, and then prioritizing it accordingly so sometimes it happens that means like it is doable but it's not feasible as such or mm-hmm. maybe it is not um, it's like the cost of implementation would be more than um, mm-hmm. the means like uh, the benefit that we get from that solution so based on that we filter the opportunities and prioritize them and then basically we start working on the uh, proof of concept mm-hmm. now because it's not a typical it project so first we need to uh, prove that means like the concept works so mm-hmm. we uh, on a low scale um, mm-hmm. one data scientist one data engineer in 
collaborative approach collect the data mm-hmm. uh, build a, it's like clean the data in a minimal uh, it's like uh, it's not done uh, on a huge scale but it's like some sampling and then uh, cleaning mm-hmm. the data generating some features uh, building model around it and um, seeing miss like uh, uh, seeing the best split and how we uh, can uh, validate um, uh, the training that we have done on the validation data and how it is performing mm-hmm. and proving to the business that it is doable miss like it can be done uh, once the poc is complete then we make presentation to the business owners Mm-hmm. and that this is what we have done and it's like if it looks fine mm-hmm. from all angles and once that is done then we get into the project uh, phase and uh, mostly we have a baseline developed by them it's mm-hmm. just that the engineering and refining the models happens uh, again we start from scratch then but the full team is involved by mm-hmm. then then there will be a business analyst as well who will be collecting the requirements mm-hmm. formally Mm-hmm. uh then data engineering uh, guy would be uh, collecting the data building the pipelines fetching all the data uh, mm-hmm. helping us cleaning it and uh, building features and then building the models and validating them uh, hosting them and deploying in production so miss like the whole life cycle goes uh, with uh, different uh, collaboration like uh, mm-hmm. build, uh working with cloud engineer devops engineer test engineer so hmm. that's how uh, yeah. once it Every is role deployed is important then, from, yeah so uh, you need yeah. like a complete system to make it like you know uh, possible so uh, one question like quick question on this like you know when you said that you have to present uh, your findings to the business owners how easy or hard it is to uh, explain them uh, like the technology terms or how do you find it like uh what what is your best approach like when you, it comes to defining it to the business like you know what is happening uh, do you go for more like a technological terms or you try to make it as simple as possible and what is that best way so we try to make it as simple as possible because uh, ultimately uh, it's up to the business to decide whether it's like uh, things are fine to be deployed mm-hmm. and generally it's like uh, business has different kpis than um, the matrices that we have right the validation matrices that we have so generally miss like uh, uh, while uh, mean squared error or maybe confusion matrix mm. are more suitable for us but uh, um, converting those things into the business kpis and presenting it so that they can better understand it mm-hmm. so it's like we convert uh, um, into uh their terms and present it and sometimes it happens that there is no other way miss like they even they don't have a defined kpi then basically miss like uh, uh we educate them miss like what is a confusion matrix and um, in a simplistic term and so that they can see okay miss like uh, uh, that's how the accuracy or precision is and what it means yeah that completely yeah, makes sense actually because it's always uh, difficult you can't just go and say that this is the accuracy this is the confusion matrix true positives and false positives business will run away so they will not understand anything unless until you talk them in the business language that they the way they are looking right. into it so yeah that makes sense to me as well so um moving to the next question uh, how much percentage of your day to day job consists of this data governance data ethics and data quality 
I'm sure it it must okay. be the most valuable uh, phases actually. Yeah, yeah, it is uh, valuable. Uh, but actually, uh, not day to day, I would say. But mm-hmm. we uh, work on it uh, intermittently. It's like uh, uh, um, these things mature over the period of time. Mm-hmm. So initially, when we are involved, maybe uh, um, even the data governance might not be in place. Um, uh, in the existing solution, but when we uh, get into that, then we review these things. Whether it's like uh, some data governance around is there, mm-hmm. uh, what kind of uh, data quality procedures are there? It's like how to main, how they are maintaining data quality, mm-hmm. and if uh, it's like uh, something is to be done on those uh, areas, mm-hmm. then we have uh, it's like uh, data ethics is basically it's like uh, deciding miss uh, ethically what is doable and what should we should refrain from doing mm-hmm. so um, as an organization we have some guidelines um, which we follow it's mm-hmm. like uh, um, by data we can do each and everything miss like uh, mm-hmm. but not to use uh, someone's personal data for a business game it's like mm-hmm. which so those kind of ethical guidelines we have and i'm sure different organizations are building those guidelines so um, intermittently check, checking these things that means like whether we miss like adhering to these guidelines or not mm-hmm. and out of the this miss like data quality is much mm-hmm. more important yeah. uh, but again uh, data governance is important in a sense that ultimately if we have data governance in place then only we can ensure uh, data quality mm-hmm. over the period of time okay yeah sounds good to me actually so uh, the way actually when i started working in the data uh, lots of effort still actually i feel that it is like you know on the data quality side when it comes to finding out anything any insights in the data it's more or important right. that the data is up to date and you prepare it properly so that i can relate as well so Uh, moving to the next question it is again uh, on the basis of like ai and ml the way we like you know talk a lot more about it so what are the differences between the ai and machine learning okay um, so machine learning is a subset of artificial intelligence we know that means like uh, since 1950s we are hearing the term artificial intelligence and mm-hmm. it um, it is a very wide area mm-hmm. building robots um, uh, itself is artificial intelligence mm-hmm. but uh, machine learning is basically one part of it which is basically learning from the data itself mm-hmm. but uh, if we look um, uh, as a human we learn from our experiences from data Mm-hmm. we are emotional creatures as well uh, um, so it's like uh, apart from learning from experiences and data there are much more things that we are able to do uh, which machines means like we still need to understand how we can infuse those uh, qualities in a machine mm-hmm. so basically means like whatever a human is doing which a machine is currently not doing Uh, mm-hmm. making machines capable of doing that is artificial intelligence mm-hmm. and uh, doing that using historical data is one way of doing which is machine learning mm-hmm. so that's the difference 
Yeah. So two more questions, actually, those are not in the list, but I would like to ask is like, first is like, you know, a basic skill set or the technology that you would look into when you look into this data field or any specific tools uh, you would like to recommend people to start learning. So what would be those actually? Okay. Uh, so uh, it's a good question, actually. Um, because what I feel is uh, data science or artificial intelligence is such a big field that it's a big elephant and uh, it's like a person who doesn't have an oversight mm -hmm. may feel like whether the elephant, how to define that elephant? Is it a trunk? Is it a nose? Or it is a tail? So it's like, and whoever it's like, is working in a particular area, try to define artificial intelligence or machine learning or data science in that way. Mm -hmm. But again, it's a, it's a team effort. Uh, there are many things. Domain is involved uh, because we are doing it for business. Mm -hmm. So we need to understand the domain and the business aspects of it. Um, math, it's like building the models. So mm -hmm. statistics, um, it's like applying on data and identifying patterns mm -hmm. uh, from data is important. Uh, Engineering is or computer science is important because we need to program it. We mm -hmm. need to deploy the models and also the IT uh, things are also there. But again, because these are very vast vast areas, so uh, not everyone has equal capabilities in all the areas. Mm -hmm. Like me, I am I I have been a software professional, so I am much more comfortable in out of these. Miss, like if I would write. Uh, like to rank myself then i would say that i am more comfortable into the engineering side of it mm -hmm. and second would be the the math side of it mm -hmm. and the, the last thing would be the business but again uh, so uh, what i want to say is that not everybody has same command over all over those things but again suppose somebody knows business more than any uh, other aspects of uh, machine learning or data science then he can be a business analyst for uh, AI projects. If somebody is an engineer, he can be uh, a data engineer. Or if somebody is a statistician, he would maybe a kind of machine learning engineer. But uh, what I would like to emphasize that because it's a team effort, and um, um, I would request uh, everyone to have a T-shaped skill set. T-shaped means uh, having a decent depth to in all the fields, at least to understand end-to-end -end picture. It's like uh, when we are working as a team, so the big picture should be clear in everybody's mind. Mm -hmm. And then niche into a particular area. So mm -hmm. why that is important? Because uh, suppose a DevOps engineer, data engineer, machine learning engineer, and business analyst are working as a team. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, a machine learning engineer is uh, stuck in something. Mm -hmm. But other teammates are not able to understand what, why he's taking so much time or what kind of uh, issue that he's struggling. And uh, so if we have that kind of view, then we can better collaborate and we can try to figure out how to improvise. Sometimes uh, as a machine learning engineer, if I'm stuck, the reason may be functional. Mm -hmm. So a business analyst will help uh, or mm -hmm. may help. So if he also knows a bit about what a machine learning engineer does, at mm -hmm. least up to some level, so he would be able to help uh, 
or maybe the whole team may be able to collaborate better mm-hmm. and then uh, when we talk a lot more about this domain knowledge right uh, what would be the best approach or the way to learn the domain this is like domain knowledge is the um, i think most difficult part because it comes only with experience mm-hmm. even we'll not find any domain experience guide uh, in the market it's like at least uh, for statistics we can learn programming we can learn mm-hmm. from books and even we can try to apply um, uh, on kaggle competitions or hackathons um, but domain experience come with over the period of time working with the business only um but up to some extent it can be built using like working on some domain specific competitions as well or mm-hmm. at least uh, yeah and That's when you actually uh, interact with yeah. the the business then you get to know more about the domain mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Actually, the way you spend time along with your experience within the organization, you understand more actually the domain. Yeah. Um, uh, but uh, one more question, actually, along the same line, is uh, when we are talking about the data quality, uh, did you find any best approach to clean the data, or is it again the iterative process always, and you have to figure it out how how you can achieve the best quality data? Okay, so there are. Um... if means like etl the extract transform and load load mm-hmm. kind of activities has already been happening in the industry mm-hmm. so there are data quality techniques means mm-hmm. like uh, uh, correctness of the data consistency in the data so there are few guidelines so generally we look um, we verify means like whether those kind of data quality approaches are being followed right now or mm-hmm. we need to and um, means like first we check the process means like if mm-hmm. those kind of processes are being followed those mm-hmm. kind of checks are there in within the process mm-hmm. if not there means that they should be there and then uh, for the already the data that has already been stored it's like looking for duplicacy or consistency mm-hmm. or correctness in the data and cleaning it out in that way uh, so basically uh, checking the data quality best practices and uh, in the existing data um verifying whether means like uh, data is correct or consistent in according to those guidelines mm-hmm. it's like this this is the approach that yeah next question is about you know what are the different algorithm techniques you can use in ai and ml so it is like ai and ml are interlinked actually so what are the different algorithms basically uh, you use in okay so i means like i started with the difficult one actually means like i <laughs> uh like now i realize actually um i was working um, in in a multinational bank and uh, i was working in mortgages mm-hmm. and one of my colleague was working in credit cards and mm-hmm. we were learning machine learning that time in back in 2013 uh, uh so miss like uh, uh, we saw that uh, miss like our sales team used to uh, approach uh, customers for buying their products and all mm-hmm. and uh, we um, um learned about market basket analysis and uh, then we thought okay uh, we already have some customers in mortgages we already have customers in credit card mm-hmm. and within that we have common customers as well mm-hmm. so if we approach means like if we identify some uh, affinity between the customer attributes um um the attributes of the customers which have both mortgages and the credit card both 
and with similar affinity if we approach those customers who have the affinity score equivalent to those customers but they have only one product so it is highly likely that they will buy another product mm -hmm. so we are applying a priori algorithm we uh, build affinity scores and based on that we gave those scores to our sales team and our sales sales team approached the, the customer and the conversion rate was very high like it mm -hmm. was around 70 80% earlier it was used to be 20 30% only mm -hmm. so it's like um, it it was a kind of um, uh, unsupervised um, mm -hmm. learning but it proved very fruitful mm -hmm. um, in general classification and regression task um, um, in the poc stage generally i start with um, a very basic algorithm mm -hmm. uh, like uh, um, i go to random forest over the uh, like after trying few things like mm -hmm. uh, for classification logistic regression or nav base mm -hmm. uh, for uh, like regression like linear regression non linear mm -hmm. regression then svm and random forest but i appreciate random forest um, uh, much because it has a right balance between um, explainability and uh, complexity mm -hmm. so as you know it's like as we increase the model complexity the explainability goes for a toss mm -hmm. like generally like neural net or deep neural net we can't explain what how the model is making a decision mm -hmm. but it's like in simple models we at least we have some intuition and we can generate some feature importance and see like on what basis uh, the model is making some decisions mm -hmm. so uh, random forest has that kind of right mix and it is very um, critical at the initial stage of the product because mm -hmm. when uh, we are working um, and uh, trying to understand what is working what is not working mm -hmm. uh, while building the algorithm so it helps miss like understanding those kind of things and mm -hmm. then uh, so building a baseline with the random forest i feel it's quite uh, useful and then basically we can see once we into a, we are into a deployment stage or uh, in a project stage where it's like poc is done and we are trying improvising uh, the algorithm then we can use complex algorithm and uh, mm -hmm. compare with the baseline and then upgrade if it has better performance uh, in terms of accuracy and all and mm -hmm. it is robust as well so, mm -hmm. okay and yeah, um, that is insightful actually so it seems yeah. like you are more biased towards the random forest <laughs> uh, like it's your yeah, like, uh, i think everybody is miss like uh, um, there are so many algorithms and nobody is a master of any like people maybe what uh, whoever i know miss like they have some favorite algorithm and mm -hmm. others miss like they know up to a level that they can start using it mm -hmm. uh, so my favorite is yeah it's like tree based algorithm and uh, it is um robust to the outliers mm -hmm. it is we need not to scale the data it's like there are it's like 10 12 uh, benefits of using random forest like uh, i have one listed down uh, mm -hmm. um, i'm a bit yeah biased uh, so um, again the beauty of machine learning or ai is that we can't be sure of anything mm. it's like it's very contextual yeah. so but for very less um, time it has happened that miss like uh, we went to the neural net and um, uh, many times it happened that uh, 
instead of uh, training a deep neural net random forest was working for our data set because deep neural net work on whether the miss like if the data is very huge or miss like the data is highly unstructured mm -hmm. like then we recommend using deep neural net otherwise miss like uh, the simpler or maybe miss like the machine learning algorithms uh, works quite good so yeah. that's how yeah. Yeah. Uh, so apart uh, from uh, that, I have also worked on uh, miss like NLP techniques, um, natural language processing for processing mm -hmm. the textual data because we already have miss like um, most of the data is structured, but sometimes we get some attributes which are textual in nature, and then we try to generate features out of it, which can mm -hmm. help models. And then miss like recently we are working on some video analytics as well, mm -hmm. where we are. Doing some instance segmentation, and we are using masked R C N N. These are basically uh, uh, a variation or advanced uh, mm -hmm. uh, convolutional neural network. Like uh, mm -hmm. on top of that, regional and then masked. So like. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's quite useful actually. The whatever information you provided. I was just saying because a lot more people talk about the random forest when it comes to the algorithms. So it's like popular algorithm in all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that makes sense actually, why is it popular? Uh, because it gives you the insights more uh, easily compared to the other algorithms. So um, moving to the next question, it is along the same line, actually already mentioned the deep neural networks actually. So the question is more over like, you know, how these neural networks, deep neural learning is related to AI. It's already okay. a subset actually, so yeah. So yeah. Just, yeah. So yeah, as um, like we have already discussed, so deep learning or neural net is a subset of uh, machine learning so if we if we ignore deep learning mm -hmm. um, earlier machine learning had different kind of algorithm mm -hmm. and neural net was one of them and which we used to say that it it works like human brain and like over the period of time it's like mm -hmm. we build deep neural net as well so uh, uh, machine learning is a subset of artificial intelligence mm -hmm. which is learning from data Mm -hmm. AI can be of anything, it's like learning emotions or taking actions mm -hmm. uh, with or without data. Uh, mm -hmm. AI is a broader concept, while machine learning has more to deal with data. Mm -hmm. And neural net is one form of doing it, uh, which is uh, taking inspiration from human brain. Mm -hmm. okay. And uh, like deep learning is more, it's like building deep neural nets is like having several layers mm -hmm. uh, uh, where different nodes are there and it's like uh, may, taking neural net to the next level so that it can handle volume of data mm -hmm. as well as uh, if uh, unstructured data is there like textual data mm -hmm. uh, audios videos so. mm -hmm. Yeah, that is uh, that makes sense to me as well. So uh, one more question, actually, uh, when we talk a lot more about this data modeling, right? Uh, how much is the feature engineering takes importance, like when it comes to uh, doing the data modeling? Feature engineering is very important, Mr. Mm -hmm. uh, very very important, I would say. Uh, like uh, at least uh, in the use cases that I have worked, mostly them uh, were structured and. Uh, uh, but again, it's like the feature engineering was uh, even when we are using neural nets or deep neural nets, uh, feature engineering helps a lot mm -hmm. because um, 
uh, one example like um, suppose we are a very simple example for the beginners who may be watching this video that uh, if we are having uh, 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 like we need to calculate uh, or predict the housing prices <laughs> and we have uh, length and width of the houses okay and we are passing that data mm. so now um, uh, in the reality sector we know that means like length and width may have some uh, effect on the prices but it's more related with the area mm -hmm. now a model means like uh, a simple model will not learn the area by itself if, if we are passing only the length and width uh, mm -hmm. a deep neural net may learn it or may not learn it it's like depending on it's like uh, how deep it is and it will try many feature interactions and uh, one of them would be area and then how much importance it might be giving to them so when we are building the features rather than um, totally depending on feature interaction then we are giving specific guidelines to the model mm -hmm. uh, and which is functional as well uh, mm -hmm. some domain expertise is required to build useful features Mm -hmm. So I feel that yeah, features are uh, it's like uh, less computation, less depth would be required, and model will be less confused or uh, it will be more specific to our problem if we provide right features to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense to me as well. Like I also feel that feature engineering engineering is the most important phase. Actually, once you are done with the data cleaning, uh, that is something you can come up with the best model suitable. Uh, so uh, the way now, like, you know, lots of, uh, we are getting lots of platforms actually, which are like automated machine learning. Do you feel that uh, kind of a roles we have in the organization, like a team structure we have right now that will get affected because of those automated machine learning? Because sometimes it happens to me as well. Like, you know, when I'm dealing with the business, they are more insecure when you are saying that you are going to automate their business processes. So it's like, are you going to steal our jobs? So uh, sometimes it happens that people have the misconception about this automation or they are quite insecure what is going to happen. So uh, did you experience any kind of such thing in your uh, thing or how do you say this, like, you know, automating everything uh, is going to change the job jobs available in the market? Um, we have a long way to go in that sense. I, I feel that. Uh... Mm -hmm. Because even if some operator is doing some complex task and uh, the for various reasons data may not be available mm -hmm. um, or maybe uh, it, it's like uh, randomness is there or some kind of experience or specialized knowledge is required which is not uh, which cannot be transformed into data mm -hmm. then it's like uh, it can't be automated so mm -hmm. what i'm saying is leave alone the data scientist job even a simple business operation there may be certain um, cases where so much specialized knowledge or mm -hmm. experience is required that it can't be automated using even using artificial intelligence mm -hmm. yeah, so, yeah. Mm -hmm. so basically redundant tasks obviously uh, very redundant tasks were automated during the it revolution mm -hmm. and uh, some more sophisticated tasks uh, can be automated if we have data around it. Mm -hmm. But still, there may be many specialized area in the business which can't be mm -hmm. automated using AI. Coming back to the AutoML part, I see it as a 
augmented intelligence it's basically i may be um, uh, building um, um, some graphs and uh, understanding the data and building my models but mm -hmm. i can use auto ml to um, learn more about data in less time mm -hmm. so auto ml can expedite uh, the machine learning process but mm -hmm. uh, it will eliminate the ai engineer or ml engineer it, it's uh, it may happen it's like to some very usual use cases like where suppose some uh, there is no feature engineering much much feature engineering is required we already have data and it is uh, some causation is there in some features already existing features and it's mm -hmm. a very simple use case which a machine learning engineer would have done it maybe in one or two weeks mm -hmm. using auto ml means like it can be wholly automated so mm -hmm. those kind of redundant tasks where redundancy is more which could have been done by any ml engineer um, mm -hmm. um, because the patterns are so obvious can be automated using auto ml mm -hmm. but uh, means like in most of the businesses complex means like uh, the corporate environment is complex a lot of like different kind of data mm -hmm. different kind of stakeholders so auto ml can't be applied each and everywhere mm -hmm. yeah it can help us maybe as i mentioned that uh, if i right now i am doing everything manually i am understanding myself applying what is working and not mm -hmm. um, um within my work if i can apply at auto ml mm -hmm. i can reach to a conclusion in a uh, quicker way so mm -hmm. that's how i see it yeah yeah so it is something that is always going to help you out actually rather than like taking it as insecurity it is more or like making your job easier and then removing some of the redundant tasks so uh, that is good take away from it actually uh, moving towards like you are a leader so uh, how do you describe your leadership style okay so i would call it um, as a transformation uh, leadership um, mm -hmm. so um, uh basically means like i i feel um, that i am not um, very much authoritarian means like mostly i take a democratic approach mm -hmm. uh, i would like to listen the opinion and uh, previous experiences if uh, my team members have it mm -hmm. and most of the time those are useful mm -hmm. uh, but again sometimes it may happen that conflicting views are there in the team and uh, then basically uh, one need to have uh, take a um, like stand mm -hmm. or maybe miss like uh, uh, so sometimes it happens that you need to have some authority mm -hmm. so uh, miss like uh, i would like to keep it transformational where on the need basis it can be democratic leadership it can be servant leadership basically serving your team members rather than asking them to serve you mm -hmm. or authoritarian is like if a need arises to be yeah yeah that makes sense so um it's a good kind of a leadership uh, style do any specific leader that you follow uh, when it comes to the leadership like you know when you uh, grow in the ladder of uh, your professional growth uh, what are the skill set uh, 
or what are the steps you have to take to achieve that leadership or you always see somebody like you know leading in your professional growth and you always admire that person and you you say that okay i want to be that kind of a person okay i i admire miss like uh, sundar pichai mm-hmm. uh, satya nadella miss like so uh, they are leading big mncs and uh, they are highly technical as well and then miss like they have leadership abilities mm-hmm. so, miss like um, again their leadership styles and what philosophy they uh, follow is not uh, miss like openly in uh, the public domain but again mm-hmm. if uh, Uh, miss like i get some opportunity i would like to learn from these leaders miss like how how they see um, leadership and uh, what philosophy they follow and miss like what kind of approach uh, they follow while leading the teams okay yeah so uh, next question is uh, like you know we already discussed lot more like you know how you transform yourself from previous uh, like you know the way you were working in the software engineering then you transform yourself in on the data side so uh, what is that one thing you would like to uh, tell to the audience that you know uh, when it comes to learning any new technology what should be there like you know uh, okay it's a good question um, so mostly i see um, people um, going after theory again and again and they dig too much miss like so while learning that technology i would suggest that miss like uh, learn and apply learn and apply and learn and apply mm. so, so it's more like, like iterative the more you try actually uh, more you will learn so and without it really uh, makes sense to me like yeah well. with, without actually um, have miss like if without learning anything i will try um, practical application then i will fail it's like most likely fail mm-hmm. uh, but again if we uh, go after theory it's like uh, then up to a depth we can understand once mm-hmm. unless we have a practical application uh, to that depth we can't go much deeper mm-hmm. so it's uh, sometimes when we say that uh, everything is going above my head that is because uh because you don't have practical experience of uh, whatever you have learned till now yeah. so once uh, i have learned something if i have applied then i can go to the next level yes yes so it depends uh, particularly on the individual as well actually you know how how he looks into his job and how he finds right. the opportunity so uh that definitely a good advice to any person actually moving towards the next question is about uh, any tips or advice you would like to give to the people who are trying to get into this ai ml or the people who are trying to switch their profile in the uh, profession they are in or trying to grow in this area i would say that build your own road map <laughs> so basically it means like uh, i have built a framework uh, for the people who want to get into data science or artificial intelligence Mm-hmm. Uh, i have written it in my blogs as mm-hmm. well and uh, i have written a book about it as well i will cover that mm-hmm. so like i would like to briefly cover that uh, right now so that uh, people can get the idea about the mm-hmm. framework so it's a four step framework where um, it's like it has four steps navigate build launch and excel mm-hmm. so navigate is basically uh, uh there are there, there are so many things in artificial intelligence or machine learning right now that uh, whoever is entering gets overwhelmed by the theory and the applications that are there and um, 
people get listlessness like how to approach and how mm-hmm. to learn and which area to focus and all so the first step is to navigate navigate is basically on a high level looking what is around means like uh, what is artificial intelligence mm-hmm. how it is different from deep learning how it is different from machine learning what is data science and data mining business intelligence so understanding them um, in a practical way means like what's the difference where to use what and mm-hmm. uh basically it means like understanding these things in the project what kind of roles are there who does what so um, uh, what are the steps end to end steps for machine learning model so navigating all these things and understanding these things uh, what is ai explainability what is ai ethics why those things are important what is data engineering what is mm-hmm. data science so it's like these these uh, uh, these are not the conceptual questions or maybe it's like this these are uh, more of a navigational stuff which basically help us understand the field in a better way mm-hmm. once we have that kind of view then we can make better decision okay what is there and where i should focus based on my abilities mm-hmm. or uh, which i can relate to the second step is build build is basically building our uh, skill set mm-hmm. so once we have understood uh, the overall picture then we have focused okay i want to be a data engineer i want mm-hmm. to be a data scientist i want to be a devops engineer i want to be a cloud engineer mm-hmm. then basically building skills like in skills basically we have three uh, things uh, concepts uh, mm-hmm. processes and tools so learning the concepts of that field like if you are in uh, in data science learn data mm-hmm. science concept if you are a data engineering then learn data engineering concept mm-hmm. uh, what is the process followed uh, there and what are kind of tools are used which tool is used where and uh, just learning about those tools mm-hmm. maybe uh, watching relevant youtube videos or maybe reading mm-hmm. blog books once we have done that then the launch the third uh, phase of the framework is the launch now i know about the field i have built some skill set now how to launch myself in the market mm-hmm. launching then basically it's all about building your portfolio mm-hmm. like uh, doing some public projects taking pa- uh, part in hackathons mm-hmm. writing blogs uh, launching youtube 10 channels for interviewing like minded professionals or maybe mm-hmm. um, sharing your knowledge so uh, these launching yourself in the market and um, uh, building um, effective network mm-hmm. like on linkedin yep. uh, looking for job search preparing for interviews and cracking interviews so that all comes in the launch phase mm-hmm. the last phase is the excel phase which is basically now uh i know about the field i have chosen my area of work i have built my skill set and even i got the job mm-hmm. and i have launched myself in the market now again because uh, ai and machine learning field is constantly evolving mm-hmm. so we need to be on our toes uh, in our area to be relevant in the market mm-hmm. so how to excel so basically yeah means like keeping a tab of what's going on in my field and what kind mm-hmm. of uh, latest technologies are being used and for what mm-hmm. and uh, means like what kind of research is being done what kind of frameworks are coming in the market mm-hmm. 
learning new framework by theory and doing some kind of uh, practical around it in your free time so generally i i suggest people that they uh, in their even in their day to day job as a technologist mm-hmm. uh, spend 20 30% of the time either you uh, like devote it extra or within the job to mm-hmm. keep yourself up- upgrading for like mm-hmm. to remain relevant in the yeah uh, your yeah so this is definitely a very good advice actually and uh, thank you so much for it uh, explaining your framework and that is something definitely goes through when you persons tries to like you know uh, learn new technology and get into any that kind of a profession so yeah. these are really very uh, important phases i felt and then um, i guess uh, the students actually who are pursuing their education they will understand that what is the importance of all these phases and how they have to divert their career into it so thank you so much for it and to end up this podcast actually i would just like to ask you like i know that you are author so your books are already there but any courses and the books that you would like to recommend to the audience yeah so uh, i started uh, because when i started r was more it's like uh, mm-hmm. mature than python mm-hmm. so i started with r and uh, i found machine learning with r by brett lynch mm-hmm. uh, uh, it was a very good book mm-hmm. it was simple mm-hmm. and i was able to quickly grasp it and uh, start my work mm-hmm. then the second book i would recommend is python machine learning by sebastian rastka mm-hmm. so it's a, it's a good book you start from scratch and uh, build up to some level mm mm-hmm. and um, then uh, hands on machine learning by orlean geron mm-hmm. so it's a, a second edition is out um, mm-hmm. like uh, it's on tensorflow 2 mm-hmm. so i am still going through it it's like i completed the uh, two years back the first edition mm-hmm. it's very hello huge amount of time to basically learn the concept and uh, build the skill set and uh, uh, last but not the least i would uh, uh, like to promote my book uh, dsai self starter handbook mm-hmm. it's a di- it's a book which is different from uh, other books because mostly uh, i wrote it because people used to ask me how to get into artificial intelligence mm-hmm. data science and uh, they used to have some follow up questions as well so i i jotted down frequently asked questions and build up a framework around it building your own roadmap in artificial intelligence and um, i wrote the book because i identified that means like uh, most of the books in uh, artificial intelligence or machine learning were about algorithm and uh, like uh, the data science stuff not how to get into data science or artificial mm. which requires a different approach obviously you need to know the concepts processes and tools but there are many things that you need to do apart from that as well mm-hmm. as a professional so uh, i wrote that book you know, keeping that in mind and it has been basically as i mentioned it was my best seller uh, people are still reading it so it's like uh, if they they can uh, read the review and if they uh, find it useful they can yeah yeah Thank you so much actually being on the podcast. I feel like it is quite useful and insightful session we had today. 
and uh, people will get definitely benefited out of it and hopefully they will manage to get into this AI and ML space uh, who are willing to. So thank you so much once again for providing your time and being a guest on the Solid Saturday podcast. I really appreciate your consideration for coming. Yeah, Vishali, it's like it, it was uh, it's like opportunity for me as well. It's like I like to interact with uh, newcomers and with like a like-minded professionals. Uh, it was a, a good discussion with you. It's like uh, thanks for giving me this opportunity. Yeah, it's so all I my pleasure actually. Yeah, it's all my pleasure. So uh, what I'm going to do is like, you know, I'll make this uh, podcast available by today itself. And I will tag you and the people who would like to connect directly with you, they will connect directly to you so that, you know, they will get more guidance from you. And uh, maybe they will connect with you to get your books as well. So, um, so yeah, so I will do that. And uh, and hello everyone so hope you enjoyed this you will also enjoy this episode and i'll make it available soon so until we meet happy leading let's lead together bye for now okay great thanks thanks